Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true democratic principles. This episode was recorded on Sunday, July 4th, 2021. Happy birthday to the United States of America. I'm Dan Schaefer, and thank you for joining us. Now, I apologize in advance if you happen to hear fireworks blowing up in the background. It's late in the afternoon on July 4, and I reside in a county that does not restrict fireworks. I always feel it's necessary to kind of stay home during this time. I stand guard to make sure my roof doesn't start on fire from a wayward rocket. So this morning, my wife and I awoke around 6 a.m., and we lay in bed and talked for a while before starting our day. We were delighted that our male cat, a very talkative Bombay Black, wasn't already howling from outside the bedroom door demanding his breakfast. Once in a while, we catch a lucky break and he leaves us alone, allowing us to wake up on our own time. We eventually got out of bed and went downstairs to start our morning routine. My wife fed the cats and made coffee while we discussed our plans for this Independence Day. The weather here in St. Louis is perfect today. The air this morning was very cool for a summer day. We decided to take advantage of the cool air, so we sat on our deck at the back of the house while drinking our coffee. The sun rises behind a big cottonwood tree, which provides some much-needed shade on a summer morning. I pulled out my tablet and began reading the news, and as if on cue, the male cat jumped up and took his rightful place on my lap, forcing me to cross my legs and balance the tablet on my knee while keeping one hand free to scratch him behind the ears and take an occasional drink of coffee. So I found myself focusing on an opinion piece in the Washington Post by Kimberly Crenshaw entitled, The Panic Over Critical Race Theory is an Attempt to Whitewash U.S. History. The article discussed how certain groups of people in our society gravitate toward fascism and, in doing so, attempt to banish a true teaching of our history by claiming that it will make our children feel shame. The author cites an example currently taking place in Texas, which now precludes any teacher from exploring the state's own history of enslavement if any student should, quote, feel discomfort or guilt or anguish on the account of an individual's race or sex. Of course, this is a thinly veiled attempt to whitewash history because, as I've pointed out on previous podcasts, Fascist elements in our society promote a story of a glorified past as one of their techniques of persuasion. More specifically, these fascist elements believe it becomes necessary to convince people that we were once a great nation, but that that greatness has been destroyed by progressive and liberal elements in our society. Therefore, the white ruling class, according to the logic, is a victim of these liberal and progressive elements and we must now eradicate them from our society so that we can get back to being great again. So as I'm reading this article, I just couldn't help thinking about my own freedom. Not my political freedom, but my own personal freedom. I'm now 61 years old, and I have to say that I've spent about two-thirds of my life so far shackled to my past. And the shackling was so subtle that I never realized it was holding me back. Now stay with me a bit, because I'm going to explain how a person's past, like a nation's past, can prevent the experience of true freedom. Now I had not realized how much my personal freedom was limited until I spent some time with a personal counselor, this was about 20 years ago. I won't reveal my counselor's real name, but for the moment I'll refer to her as Darlene. During our first few hour-long sessions, Darlene had me describe in detail my experiences with my family of origin. 
I described to her my childhood as best as I could, including all the dynamics that took place within my family, along with my feelings and reactions to certain incidents. Darlene sat quietly during these times, interrupting me only to ask key questions or to get me to further clarify my experiences. Now, at first, I didn't think these sessions amounted to much. I mean, after all, every adult out there has a childhood. Well, some are good, some not so good. And we all somehow find our way through to, a, a, through to adulthood. But after a few sessions, Darlene started to talk. She knew enough about my childhood to begin seeing some behavioral patterns emerge. These were patterns I had developed in my childhood and served me well as I encountered some difficult situations. But the problem is that I carried these patterns into my adulthood, where they were no longer working for me, but now they were working against me. I'd become withdrawn, aloof, resentful, secretive, passive-aggressive, and a number of other negative personality traits. These attributes prevented me from really expressing my true nature as an adult. For example, I was intimidated by people of authority, so when challenged, I would quickly withdraw and agree to anyone that had any authority over me, such as my boss. Now, this didn't serve me well. I mean, as an engineer, I needed to express good ideas when I thought of them. And similarly, I needed to present arguments for other people's ideas that I felt were wrong, even if it was my boss. But instead, I simply agreed to do whatever the boss said because it avoided conflict. The problem was that it tore me apart inside. I was therefore not truly free. Now, I understand that everyone has a childhood, and events in their childhood can and often do affect them the rest of their lives. What surprised me at the time that I was seeing Darlene was that I was already well into my 40s before I understood, and I mean really understood, how these childhood patterns were robbing me of my freedom. So my point here is that once you get honest with yourself and really analyze your past and face everything in your past with a critical eye, you probably won't connect the dots and figure out how your current behavior patterns are holding you back. Okay, so what does this have to do with whitewashing history, particularly critical race theory? Well, I think you already know where I'm going with this. My sense is that nations operate in a similar way. Unless its citizens are willing to look back on history with honesty and bravery, that nation cannot continue to look forward to a future with true freedom. It will always be shackled to its past. It will never realize how its laws and its customs and its culture have been shaped by patterns that are left over from a bygone era. It will never wake up and it will never really realize its true freedom. And on a national and empirical level, we know these patterns exist. We see black men getting beaten and choked and shot by police officers. And for many, their first instinct is not to question the action of the police officers, but to question the actions of the perpetrators. I mean, they must have done something wrong, right? I mean, we've already heard the racial slurs left over from days gone by. They're welfare mamas. They've inher they're inherently lazy. They won't get a job. They're unreliable. As a result, we see black Americans serving prison sentences that are, on the average, nearly twice the length that white people serve for the same types of crimes. And we somehow think that's normal because it's always been that way. We see institutionalized loan sharking in poor areas where payday loans are allowed to charge exorbitant interest rates, further trapping people in the cycle of poverty. We've become inured to the school-to-prison pipeline that exists in our urban areas, and we somehow ignore the toll it takes on our common pursuit of freedom. 
We see the practice of redlining in our real estate and financial dealings resulting in concentrated areas of poor people. We see how the schools in those areas are systematically underfunded because we've developed a system of using property values to assign tax rates used to support the schools. All these problems and more exist in every state of the union, in every city, on every street corner. And we, as a society, largely ignore these problems because, well, that's the way it's always been. We see nothing wrong because we've never been challenged as a nation to examine our past and see how it continues to limit our future. And now critical race theory asks us to look at our past and study how it affects the laws and the customs and the policies of the present. It asks us as a nation to come together and connect the dots. But many of our politicians urge just the opposite. We're being asked to not examine our history as it affects our laws and policies. We're being asked to continue pursuing a vision of glory equivalent to a past that never existed. So the reality is that we cannot ever be free until we are able to examine our past and challenge ourselves to break free from it and create a truly glorious future. Only then can we realize the promise embedded in our Declaration of Independence. Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true democratic principles. We're always looking for sponsors to help us with this podcast. If you have any story ideas or you'd like to get your voice on the air, or if you'd like to donate, please contact us at info at democracyonthemove.org. That's all one word, Democracy on the Move. I'm Dan Schaefer, and thank you for tuning in. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in next week. And again, happy birthday to the United States of America.